I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being here. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, please do because we have live shows on there and we're going to start to develop some new things as part of the podcast as well. So do take a look at that. If you go to educationonfire.com forward slash YouTube, it takes you there. You can see the live streams in the conversations that we've been having so far um, and a chance to be able to sort of see me and, and interact in real time on our live Tuesday shows. Now today I'm delighted to be chatting to Tracy Pleshcourt and she's a certified professional and personal coach as well as an entrepreneur. She's also the founder of Self Made You, a life coaching school that teaches men and women how to become the solution to any problem they face. Alongside her daughter Gracie who is 22 she also hosts the Tracy and Gracie Becoming podcast, a show that gives life coaching advice from two different generational perspectives. Tracy is a student of her own work and has stopped overeating, over drinking and has created a multi six-figure business while teaching others to do the same. She dedicates her work to ambitious, lifelong learners yearning for solutions and seeking a better way to create the results they desire and deserve. Now, the reason I wanted to have this conversation was because I know so many people, certainly in the education space, who are looking for ways to support themselves to be the best people they want to be, which makes a big difference to the children that they're supporting. And the only way to do that is to start with yourself. And so here it is, my conversation with Tracy Pleshkort talking about self-made you. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Always great to chat to people from across the pond, as they say. Um, and with education being such a, an important factor, obviously, as part of Education on Fire, the idea of what education is is something which I find fascinating. And the idea about being thinking about what you're doing or just taking on that knowledge base of, of what education is, I think is a great sort of starting point. So, yeah, so thanks so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't you start, first of all, with a little bit of background in terms of, of how your sort of journeys come from sort of that sort of entrepreneur idea, but also that idea of what the what the thinking was behind your thinking, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So my thinking as I kind of made my way through college and into more of the career world was that there's one way to do things and that there was this kind of script that I needed to fulfill. And I did that. You know, I just found the right kind of career. I started to climb that corporate ladder and I worked really hard and I, I found myself sacrificing a lot in order to fulfill this script. And although I found myself in an incredible industry, it happened to be the industry of advertising, um, it came at a high price. I spent a lot of time away from my family. Um, I felt a lot of stress because I had a, a fair amount of responsibility for a lot of our employees and some of our clients. And I did that for over 20 years and really started to recognize where I was probably gonna have some regrets towards the end of my career. And there's one thing that I definitely know about myself and that is I do not do regret well. <laughs> and so as I was watching my kids enter into high school, which was is here in the United States, it's the kind of the last four years that they are actually in the nest. Um, I started to think about what kind of regret I might have being away from them so much of their young life, putting them in daycare and, um, you know, really only seeing them for a half an hour in the morning and, you know, a couple hours at night. And I thought, you know, I feel like I've really gotten to this place where I've achieved everything I've set out to achieve. And there's something more. And 
I'm not sure what this next script has in store. So it really became clear to me that it was my turn to kind of write that script. And I was very much um, motivated to figure out what, what it was that I wanted. And that included being home with my children. That included still helping people in some sort of way, impacting others' lives. I love business. I love the strategy of business. And so I, I put in my resignation and moved home and started a consulting firm. And thankfully, the agency, the advertising agency, wasn't quite ready for that resignation, and neither was I. I wasn't ready on an emotional level. I wasn't ready on a financial level. And so we made an agreement that over the course of a year, we would make this transition happen. So it was really a nice win-win, and it afforded me an opportunity to get home, get settled, contribute to you know a very healthy transition on their end, and better understand what it was that I actually wanted to do. And it really looked like writing a script versus following a script. And like I said, I really leaned into the things that I felt, you know, um, I was good at and things that really made a significant impact. And so consulting turned into coaching <laughs> and I really looked at, okay, so I had to learn how to think differently. I had to learn about thinking in such a way that wasn't so much you know, outside of me looking for outside solutions, turning to myself as a solution. So I created a, a formula from which I use to make every decision to really kind of coach myself through life instead of following some, you know, cultural script or something that I was indoctrinated into. It's really, you know, looking within to, to make my decisions. And so that is what I now teach on a daily basis to all of my clients is this new way of thinking. And just like you, I believe in using acronyms. I use frameworks to make it easier to recall because I also know a fair amount about the brain and recognize that, you know, the easier you can make something and the more applied, you know, if people have an opportunity to to learn something, retain something through applied learning, it's far more significant. Um, and it's it's more of a sustainable change. So I use a lot of these educational um, understandings, philosophies in order to coach a lot of the my clients. So in terms of sort of finding that out on yourself, by yourself, how do you sort of then sort of see that in terms of what you did from what you learned in school? Like I say, you sort of had that background, you found yourself in a career, and then all of a sudden you've got to think for yourself to make that decision and also take that leap of faith as well. I mean, it was something that I did with my wife when we got together and the kids came along. We're both musicians and we were like one of us wants to be home with them or well, we both want to be home, but you know, we can organize it so that one of us is always at home doing the school runs, being, being around and we sort of could mix and match. And with that is fantastic because it gives you the freedom, the joy of being a, a freelance musician. Of course, it also has an impact in, in other areas as well, but you kind of have to take that leap of faith in, and, and move that forward. So yeah. So what was it that you kind of felt gave you that that not the impetus to do it because of course you've explained that but that sort of stepping into the unknown in that framework you put together and and I guess now is it the same framework you use for different areas that you teach is all the philosophy is the same you just apply it to I'm now staying at home with my children or I want to this relationship or this money does it work in that kind of way yeah, it does. Um, it has really unlimited applications because you are learning how to coach yourself through any decision, any subject matter. And um, I, not unlike a lot of other people, you know, spent my formal educational years just believing that what it was that I was learning was all there was to learn. And I missed out on learning about myself, learning about the neuroscience of my brain, learning about, you know, that I can actually create a sense of self-reliance that the, you know, the answer to any problem or any goal 
doesn't always exist outside of me, I can actually rely on myself to create that. And so I saw that coming up in so many areas where, you know, I, I, during the time I was working outside of the home, I was overweight, I was over drinking, I was overspending, and I didn't know why I was doing these things. And I certainly couldn't figure out how to stop doing these things. And so it had me on this pursuit of looking for solutions or that silver bullet on the daily. And I, it felt very frantic, you know, and it was like, okay, here's the latest diet trend. I'll try that. And that would work for a short amount of time. But the, the results, if any, were certainly not sustainable. And, you know, my stress levels would just keep getting higher and higher and higher. And I knew I didn't like feeling that. And so unintentionally, I would turn to wine so that I could numb those feelings, so that I didn't have to feel those feelings. So I didn't have to really think about what was actually causing those feelings because nobody ever taught me that it was actually my thoughts that caused feelings that had me doing behaviors that ultimately didn't end well. Nobody ever taught me that. And so I just had this kind of repeat habitual pattern that happened every single day and every single night and got me further away from what it was that I actually wanted. Like I really wanted to be healthy mentally, emotionally, and physically, but I was doing all of the things because I didn't know any better. I didn't know how my brain actually worked and what was actually happening. And I think had I had that education, who knows, you know, depending on when I would have been, you know, exposed to that education. But at least I, you know, would have had some wherewithal that there was an area outside of trying to find that silver bullet that I could have went back to. And I never thought that, you know, it was all about the way I was thinking. It had really little to do with the actual problem. So many of us spend so much time, so much energy, so much effort trying to solve the wrong problem. If you're overweight, you try to solve the problem of overeating. If you're over drinking, you're trying to solve the problem of, you know, grabbing the bottle of wine every night. If you are um, struggling in a relationship, you're trying to solve the problem of that other person. Most of the time, it's, it's usually not you that you're looking at. And, and essentially those are not the actual problem. The problem is how you're thinking about that person. That's it's the problem is how you're thinking about the alcohol. The problem is how you're thinking about food because the neuroscience of our brain, that three pound organ that, you know, exists between our ears, half of it essentially is purposed to keep you alive. It's, it's to, it's a survival part of our brain. It, they call it the primitive brain for a reason, because when we were in a primitive state, it offered us a lot of fear-based thoughts in order to keep us safe. Well, we've evolved and most of us don't find ourselves in the, that kind of danger, although our primitive brain still operates in, the, in such a way that it offers us a lot of fear-based thoughts. So when I would walk through the kitchen, although I was on a diet, if I would see a plate of cookies, my primitive brain would say, you better eat those right now before they aren't there. And I would grab one, two, or the tray. <laughs> and before I knew it, I would have eaten those. And then I would start this like beat down cycle because now I have failed once again. I didn't know that those kind of thoughts were coming from my primitive brain and actually how to manage those. So the momentum started and one thing would lead to the next and there was just this cycle of self-loathing going on that I didn't know how to break. And so it really took me understanding and I'm, I'm a certified life coach. I've been certified by several different organizations. So the methodology that I have created is definitely, um, it's, it's made up of everything that I've understood about myself and what has worked. And so it really looks like 
thinking of yourself as the solution, no longer thinking of yourself as like the common denominator to all of your problems. You are actually the solution. And I too use an acronym S-E-L-F. So all you need is to use yourself as the solution. So the S is starting with a decision. It's the one thing that most of us avoid doing. When we're feeling out of control or confused, we never think, okay, what is the decision that I need to make right now? And so starting with the decision as simple as what is it that I want can be a really helpful first step. And then you can also go on to ask yourself or coach yourself around, okay, so I know what I want. Where am I in relation to that? And how do I think and feel about that? Where I'm at right now in relation to where I want to be. That is the actual problem right there is the thinking and the feeling about where you're at right now in relation to where you want to be. But discovering that would have never happened if you didn't slow down and make that first decision. So starting with the decision, the E of self is eliminating self-sabotage. So that primitive brain is on overdrive. It's very habitual. We have approximately 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% are coming from our primitive brain. So it's offering you a lot of fear-based narratives that keep you in a very reactive state. And you're also in a very unintentional state because the, the objective of our primitive brain is to seek pleasure, avoid pain and be efficient. So it keeps our heart beating without having to think about it. It keeps us breathing without having to think about it. So it's very, very habitual, although that can work for us and that can work against us. So you have to have the wherewithal to know that these thoughts, these fear-based thoughts are just coming from my primitive brain and they're often very dramatic and untrue. So there's a lot of narrative, there's 10 narratives, um, the one that's probably most universal is the judge. <laughs> we're either judging ourselves, or we're judging other people or we're judging circumstances. You can be very keen to when this narrative is happening or that you're hearing this narrative because most of the time it makes you feel guilt, regret, shame, or disappointment. And it sounds like I'll be happy when I lose the weight or I should have never taken this job, or they shouldn't, you know, dot, dot, dot. It's you're judging yourself, you're judging others, or you're judging circumstances. So that's the most universal uh, saboteur narrative that we all hear. And the most insidious part about the judge is that it also calls upon a whole tribe of other narratives, like the hyperachiever or the people pleaser or the um, victim narrative. So knowing that, that that's a function of your primitive brain and they're very dramatic and they're meant to keep you alive and you're not in actually any danger is the step in the direction of being able to eliminate that self-sabotage. You're less likely to react to it when you have awareness of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then the L is leveraging your inherent strengths. So when you're operating from the other part of your brain, which I like to call your prodigy brain, it's the more extraordinary part of your brain. Doctors would call it your prefrontal cortex. Now, this part of your brain is the part that allows you to respond. You have a lot of awareness. You're intentional. You're not, you're not just operating on autopilot. You actually are intentional about your responses. You only can do that when you're operating from your prodigy brain. This is also the part of the brain that allows you to tap into strengths like empathy and discovery and innovation. So when you hear those saboteur narratives, now that is your cue to start asking yourself, coaching yourself, prompting yourself to answer questions like, what's the most loving and compassionate thing I can say to myself right now? You know, so it gets you in a state of intention. You are actually present. So being able to tap into those strengths keeps you in that prodigy brain, but it also yields a lot of new thinking. 
Like what other factors might be involved that I'm not seeing? You know, what um, at the end of life, which path would I uh, want to have taken? What would my future self, what would the advice be of my future self? These are all questions that are only afforded to you when you're operating from your prodigy brain. So of course we have acronyms <laughs> to remind our clients, you know, of these emotions or of these strengths that they can tap into. And then finally, um, finishing with the decision. So the four steps, you start with a decision and you finish with a decision. You're bridging the gap between the primitive and prodigy brain by eliminating that self-sabotage and leveraging those strengths. But finishing with a decision sounds like, you know, right now, knowing where it is that I want to go, why I'm where I'm currently at, how my thinking and my feeling is actually keeping me there. And now that I'm leveraging these strengths, like what is the next best step? What is the next best step that I can take with clear, concise, laser focus? That's what that finishing with a decision looks like. And then this is very cyclical. So then now you've moved, you know, one step closer to where it is that you want to be. And you just continue to utilize yourself, S-E-L-F, to make consistent progress towards where it is that you want to be. And it's a, you're relying on yourself and this builds confidence in yourself. So you no longer have to look outside of yourself for the solution. It all comes from within. And you, you know, you have this evidence that this actually works. Every single step you take, you're actually getting closer. You're not staying stuck overweight or under earning or, you know, in this relationship that you don't want to be in. So again, this has unlimited applications and it's a hundred percent reliant on nothing outside of you, only yourself. And so the more you use this methodology, the better you understand yourself too. And that is a gift that I think most of us would agree is, you know, priceless understanding yourself. Because, you know, when we're confused or we're frustrated or we're overwhelmed, we often feel so out of control. Well, that's, that is coming from not understanding, not understanding ourselves. So this is a huge gift. It's a very simple four steps. And just remembering that, you know, wherever you go, take yourself with you utilize yourself, that is going to strengthen this, you know, um, confidence and the courage and the capability, the capacity that you have on a daily basis. And that momentum is now going in the right direction. And sort of taking that cookie analogy is that sense, isn't it? Is that that's that enough awareness to be able to go, I'm looking at that and, and all those immediate reactions and thoughts, like you said, but that kind of, but I'm sort of almost seeing myself in the future as this fit, healthy um, person who's taking care of themselves and to be able to say, that's not serving me by doing it. And then, you know, like I say, finishing that off with the fact that you didn't, which then supports you again, because then the next time you're more likely to do that. And, and so you go And The reason I wanted to have this conversation so much when the opportunity arose was because there are so many people listening who will be working in education who just know that it's so hard when you're overworked, when you're tired, when sort of your, your defences are really down, as it were, and it's easy just to reach for that cookie, for example, or that glass of wine. And then you get into that sort of habitual sense of, but there's nothing I can do about it till you get to the holidays and then you kind of recover and then you go back again. Or it, it may well even be that as a parent, you like you said, from your situation, I need to keep working all these hours. I need to take this job because I need to make sure that we're financially set. But it's only when you've got that time and you've got that ability to think about what you want and how you want to do it that you can make those difference. And I, and, and that's why I thought this conversation would be so so supportive for everybody, so no matter where you're coming from, as a teacher, as a parent, as someone who's involved in that sort of thing, what we're trying to do is to be a mentor and to be uh, a good role model for our children. And if they see that's the case, that even without coaching them directly, they're going to understand about these things. The conversations are going to be natural within your within your family or within your classroom, and it's going to make a it's going to make a big difference. And I think that, like I say, is is such a gift in itself. Right. Yeah. So our company is called Self Made You. And it is really like a, we operate as if we were a school 
teaching people how to rely on themselves as the solution, how to take responsibility for all of your results, whether those results are unintentional or intentional, it's really important that you're taking credit so that you retain the power to change if that's what you ultimately want to do. And the second step of what it means to become self-made is not only taking responsibility for all of your results, but it's also modeling that behavior for others so that we have this exponential effect and we have, you know, we can make this impact on a world that today is out casting blame every which way from Friday. It's like, you know, nobody's taking responsibility for their results. And so I think that with this sort of, um, understanding with this sort of um, way of thinking, I think the whole world would experience something so different. And, you know, I think teaching people at a younger, at at the youngest age possible is really going to contribute to that effort. Um, But I have a lot of parents that come through Self-Made You that either then pay for their children to go through some of our programming or become a member or whatnot. Um, because they value it and they, and the kids are actually interested because they, they are watching their parents. They are being modeled this behavior. Um, so it's very rewarding, very gratifying when you know that you're making that kind of an impact. And I think for me, one of the things that often is so clear is the, when you are children, you do have that, obviously that survival instinct. But I think the survival instinct is much more natural because you, you you don't have all these layers of societal things that have come on as well. So, you know, then they're not just going to have a cookie for the sake of it, because if they're not hungry, they won't. Or, if, you know, the, the, the studies of um, of um, lots of children living in a, in a house together with, with no, say, no adult supervision. They're sort of like it's like a TV show that sort of shows these things. So you have that immediate kind of we're all just going to eat pizza for days on end. And then very quickly within a week, they're like, yeah, I could do with a vegetable and a bit of fruit here. You know, that survival mechanism tells you actually I'm going to do what's best for me because instinctually I know what that is and I think like I say to have those conversations and I think that's supportive for children because then they start to think I knew this anyway but I was beginning to sort of see that that wasn't the way I was supposed to be a little bit like we said at the beginning you know you're supposed to get a job or you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to make it look this way and I think the more we can reinforce the fact that using your intuition using the sense of you kind of do know best as long as you keep that awareness going and that support to keep that progression from a young age means that hopefully more and more people won't get themselves into that situation where they feel they have to do a real sort of handbrake turn to to change their life later on. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I also think it's important for people to understand that these saboteur narratives, you know, the goal is not to, you know, somehow get rid of that primitive part of our brain. Like I said, it has a purpose. The goal is actually to have an awareness of when those narratives are showing up because the the narratives actually stem from, you know, exposure to messaging, exposure to cultures, um, but they also have inherent qualities. So let's say you have this avoider um, narrative where it's like, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. Um, Or I don't want to upset anyone. Or um, it's really that avoider narrative is really when you're focusing on positive and pleasant in an, in an extreme way. So you're avoiding difficult and unpleasant tasks or conflicts, but the inherent quality, this is a, this is a narrative that is actually overusing and abusing your inherent qualities. So typically people who have that avoider narrative, these are the people who are very adaptable. They're very easy to get along with. They're positive. They're non-judgmental. These are the people that um, really kind of seek peace and harmony with themselves and others. But that those qualities are being overused and abused and showing up in a saboteur sort of way. So the goal is to recognize when that's happening and not react, but to respond operating from your prodigy brain with, you know, some line of questioning so that you, you know, coach yourself through that 
It's, you know, that narrative, you might not recognize the thought, but you're certainly going to recognize the feeling. I'm not as good at recognizing the thought that I'm having, but I can recognize the anger or the resentment or the anxiety that that avoider narrative creates in me. And then it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Now all I have to do is utilize myself and decide what is it that I want really shine a light on why I'm feeling this way. It's because of my primitive primitive brain. It's offering me these fear-based thoughts. Are, is that even true? You know, really questioning that thought. And then tapping into those inherent strengths, either empathy, discovery, innovation, navigation, and then finally finishing with the next best step that I can take to get me closer. But notice that that fourth and final step is the fourth and final step for a reason. You have to have this awareness, this enlightenment that comes from steps one through three that leads you to that final step. And I'm curious about how we come about this at different ages as well, because, you know, when you're more experienced, when you've had the chance to, like say, to be a father or to be a mother or to have been through university or had a job for a certain amount of time, these things look slightly different. And I know you do a podcast with your daughter where you're talking about these things. So is it that you're both singing off the same hymn sheet? Because, of course, you, you know exactly how it works and obviously you've been trained in it. Or what are the subtleties then between someone who's obviously a generation younger than you with that same knowledge, but that sort of perspective in terms of sort of getting that across. Yeah, it's fascinating because like I said, you know, we are exposed to so much messaging and the cultures and the communities that we live within often, you know, dictate a lot of our beliefs. So yes, during this podcast with my daughter, we kind of banter back and forth around you know, where our beliefs lie on any one given topic. And it's fascinating how she will often have a much different belief. You know, the the TikToks that she watches are a lot different than the TikToks I watch. And so <laughs> we come away with different thoughts and different beliefs from those TikToks. And, and it's just so interesting to hear a different generational um, perspective and you know, we each get to decide whether that thought is helpful or not. I don't like to necessarily look at it as right or wrong. You know, I think that kind of black and white thinking can kind of back us into a corner. I just like to think about our thoughts or our beliefs and measure it based on, is it helpful? Is it getting us is it getting us closer to what we want or is it getting us further away from what we want? Is it making me feel a wanted feeling or an unwanted feeling? Those are two really good questions to ask yourself. So it's going to look different for each person, you know, based on your exposure, your culture, your age, all of that. And ultimately, there is no right or wrong answer. The truth, you get to decide what's true for you. And so our podcast is popular because, you know, our truths look different from one another. And I think people can relate. My generation relates to me and her generation relates to her. And we always get a kick out of looking at the analytics and and looking at the topics and seeing, you know, which demographic actually listened through the whole podcast. (laughs) So yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. But ultimately, you know, you get to decide the way you want to think, what you want to believe. And I would advise you to just measure whether it's helpful or not. Does it get you closer to what it is that you want or is it getting you further away? And I think the thing that I always love about these sorts of conversations in this way is the fact that it's so easy to get overwhelmed with everything. It's like there's so much I need to deal with or so much I'm trying to do. You know, it might be I'm eating the cookies and I'm having a glass of wine too many and I don't have time to sleep enough and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, But I think what I really like and what you sort of demonstrated there from the podcast sort of analogy is the fact that it doesn't actually matter because as soon as, like you say, you go through the process as you've explained and you can understand it's just that awareness and and all those steps in between, you can apply it to you and that's going full circle back to the self because then while it might seem there's like a million things to deal with, actually there's only one and that's you. And then all of a sudden 
that self-fulfilling prophecy becomes much easier to deal with and is much less cumbersome in terms of having a myriad of sort of a spider's web of things to sort out it actually just comes down to the very center which is you and i think once you kind of embrace that and you grasp it and you understand it then it's well it's a healing process isn't it so so therefore it becomes something that you want to step into more and more because you a bit like that child part of the conversation we had a couple of minutes ago you inherently know this is good for you and it's going to be something which is going to aid you going forward exactly yeah when you're operating from your prodigy brain you're very connected or you have the ability to connect to your truest essence your source now for religious people they would you know say that they have a strong belief on what their source is but this also could be for you know your connection with the universe or nature um when you are operating from your prodigy brain you feel that connection you feel that pull um and it does feel like your truest essence whereas when you're operating from your primitive brain there's a lot of resistance that can feel like hate that can feel like um confusion overwhelm anxiety so it's pretty easy to understand which part of your brain you're operating from when you actually slow down and ask yourself that question <laughs> what am i actually feeling so we do these steps are so simple but we break down these four steps and we teach all of our clients what is a feeling you know how does a feeling differ from a sensation um you know why is it important to have the negative and positive feelings um you know expanding our vocabulary of feelings can be very helpful so there are techniques within each step that make these that you can really kind of master these steps but even without that knowing like just your listeners today can walk away with a better understanding of these four steps and you can apply it certainly to anything in your life and the more you use it the more you will come to an understanding of how effective it is and you'll start to really kind of um dig a little bit deeper into each step and really better understand yourself through each one of those steps so we kind of shortcut that here at self-made you but um I like to teach all of this information for free. So we offer free coaching Fridays and we offer free master classes because I know that insight is only 20% of sustainable change. The 80% is application. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that would like more handholding when it comes to applied you know, learning, um, they want them, they want the accountability. So that's really where we come in. We teach the insight for free and then we offer our services as a, as a support mechanism to make sure that you are applying it in the right way or that you're held accountable or whatever it is that you need. Yeah, it's a bit like that idea of, of of reading the book and feel like you've achieved all these things already, but you haven't applied any of it yet. You just kind of That's get the adrenaline exactly of kind of, I'm done. Oh, no, I haven't done anything yet, apart from take the time to read the book, which, which you know, it's a little bit like going to the gym and starting by putting your trainers on, isn't it? But yeah, it, right. it's all part of that journey. Right. Um, That's exactly it. So take the take the way that you're teaching and the way you're learning now. Is there um, an educational experience or a teacher that, that you remember? Um it's obviously had an impact but also has any of that sort of sort of memory of that sort of supported you or aid you or, or helped you even if it's in a way of you didn't like it in the way you sort of coach stroke teach if, if that makes sense yeah i i think back to middle school so seventh eighth grade and i think about how much i struggled during those years i um I just math did not make any sense to me. My mind did not um, just connect. I couldn't align with the what I was being taught. And so I was constantly being tested on, you know, my ability to memorize algebra and it just wasn't clicking. And I had to take and retake algebra like one algebra one. I probably took, you know, three years in a row and I just couldn't understand it. And I think back to the effects on my self-esteem and my self-concept, and I really think so much of the um, drive 
to be perfect or to um, try to achieve things came from that because I felt like there was something so broken within me and I had to just keep trying harder and harder and harder. And so I have this judge narrative now, just like everybody else does, but that's the one that's so prominent and it just constantly judging myself, measuring myself against you know, what the standard is supposed to be, what is right, what is wrong. And I know that that stems from that time in my life. That's often those days, even though it was, you know, 40 years ago, those days I can recall them so easily because I felt so inadequate and so confused and like I was so broken. And I know that that led to me believing that the answer to anything was outside of myself and constantly trying to find the silver bullet solution to things and never, ever thinking that it was within me because I just couldn't figure it out. I I felt like I was broken. So I had one teacher in middle school who actually happened to be my algebra teacher. And because I took his class three years in a row, (laughs) we became friends. (laughs) And he actually, you know, saw something in me and, and asked me if I would be his like teacher assistant. And he started to do things that really boosted my self-esteem. And I really started to recognize that there was value inside of me. And that was something that had been completely lost. And um, today I think back on him with such fond memories because I think had he not been there or at least, you know, given me a second look and really saw that I was struggling not only with math, but with my self-esteem, I question, you know, where would I be? What what, how would I be thinking today? And so I really credit a lot of kind of that turnaround to him and that point in time. Um, you know, that contrast is so distinct, feeling so broken, and then to feel so worthy that he saw I would be valuable to assist him teaching other kids when I couldn't understand it myself. That contrast is something that made a huge impact on me. That I could actually be bad at math, yet still very valuable and impactful in other people's lives. Like I would have never had come to that conclusion without him kind of opening the door to that. And um, it's just led me to really think differently about myself going forward. And and, um, I'm grateful now for that contrast. And by the way, I'm still really bad at math. But it's it is amazing, isn't it? It's such a fantastic story because it, it's a real eye opener, and it's the theme we hear so much. It's the person that saw you, you know, heard you, and supported you. You know, not just by more test papers or not just by extra maths lessons, but by finding a way of doing it that supported you. And and I think that's the it's the kind of the real dichotomy that we have but uh, I think that understanding of the the silver bullet to change the education system so you're not in that position to be to begin with because you know your learning of maths could be different or even what part of maths we learn (laughs) could be different but understanding that you know the conversation that you're having with the child or with your colleague or how you're going about it makes a big difference and also like you said you know in order to be that empathetic and that understanding that teacher had to be have his self-awareness enough to be able to put himself in your position and support you in that way whereas if he's completely overloaded and he's literally putting his hair out for whatever reason he's on survival mode and not able to do that as well so it kind of ties in really nicely with you know what you're able to support people with now to to sort of pass that on um, sort of moving forward yep that's exactly it um what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given or indeed is there a piece of advice you would give your younger self now looking back Hmm. Uh, yes I would give my younger self the advice of asking questions you know that there is no shame in asking questions or getting clarification or um, digging a little bit deeper and helping yourself better understand and um, as an adult I uh, participated in a in an organization called Leadership Twin Cities. I live in the Twin Cities of um, of Minnesota, and we would have every year we would have a day that very specifically focused on education. And um, 
we would find ourselves in a school setting and of course we'd have a panel of of students that would give us advice and then they would take advice from us and um one thing that I was I always found really interesting as I was walking around and observing in these schools was how many kids were asking questions they weren't you know sitting they weren't holding back the ones that I was observing they were digging deeper they continued this like this exploration for a better understanding. And I, again, had this contrast where I would conclude, if you don't know the answer, you're broken, something's wrong with you. And I would hide, I would shy away from being seen. And I was so impressed by watching these kids just ask more and more questions. And as I've gotten older, I've taken that as a lesson to continue to ask questions. And so that's a big part of why Self-Made You exists. It's the art of asking yourself questions. Coaching yourself is all about asking yourself questions. And the better the question, the better the answer. And so you kind of become masterful at asking the right kinds of questions. But you know, they can start with the very simple ones of what is it that I want right now or how am I feeling right now? Um, but that, it was interesting because what I saw in those children were them asking questions, but then when they asked us for advice, my advice to them was keep asking questions, keep asking questions. And um, so that's the advice that I give to young and old <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I think it's such an important thing. And it's such a, it's that so much clarity there that I say that I'm not going to ask a question because I'm expected to know, as opposed to that freedom of I want to ask questions because I want to find out more or I want to clarify. And I think that's so chalk and cheese. And it just changes the perception of what life is and, and how you can move forward. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Is there a resource you'd like to share? And it can be professional or personal, but it could be a book, video, song, film, podcast, but something you sort of remember maybe an important part of your life. You know, I uh, love the book, The Four Agreements. I don't know if you're familiar with that. but um, Yeah, so a philosopher, um, uh, Don Miguel uh, Rios, I think is yep. how you pronounce Rios, his yeah. last name. He has these four agreements. Um that is they're kind of easy to check yourself so it's the four agreements are be impeccable with your word don't take anything personally don't make assumptions and always do your best and so i like to look at those four agreements and really put them in the form of a question so that i can ask myself this you know um not necessarily on the daily but when i'm really struggling you know in what ways am I impeccable with my word? You know, how do I take this um, in a way that doesn't reflect on me personally? You know, what other things might be, what, what other factors might be involved? Um, what kind of assumptions am I making about this person, about this place, about this, um, about myself? Um, and then am I doing my best? So I love the four agreements. He goes into, he like I said, he's a philosopher. So he goes into deep conversation around why those are the four agreements that you should be making with yourself. Um, and like I said, I like to pose it in the form of a question. Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, and we talked about the, the whole acronym idea in a way of remembering. So obviously for us here at Education on Fire, we have feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What is it that strikes you when you hear that? Mm. Feedback, I think, is is interesting because I, I recognized early in my entrepreneurial career how I really shied away from feedback because I was still making it mean something about me. And often the feedback was coming from, you know, this desire to help me create this business, create a successful business, but I would see it and make it mean something about me. And again, that's just a, you know, that's a natural pattern of your primitive brain. But if you don't see that, you'll continue to make feedback mean something about you and you won't use it the way it was meant to be used and or use it to your advantage. And so feedback, I think, um, 
it has everything to do with, again, how you choose to think about it. And I think that that's a, that it's something that you shouldn't be afraid of and that it's something you should ask for. Um, and you should really check your thinking on it when you get it and be grateful for it. I think it's so important that, and there'll be so many people that think I can identify with that because it's the first thing, the sh- the, you know, the closing the barriers, the shutting up shop when someone's giving you feedback, which is for your benefit a lot of the time. And yeah. the way you take it is even more important than how it's being given sometimes. So yeah, such a such a, a key thing. Um, Tracy, thank you so much for your wisdom and, and sharing all this experience that I think is so important for people. And as I said earlier, you know, I think so many people who are supporting children will recognize themselves in a lot of what we've talked about. And and while I love the talking, I'm even more grateful for the fact that people who like the talking and putting it there have created something which can help people as well, which is the most important thing. Um, so, so do share um, where people can find you and get more information and sort of get in touch. Yeah, the best place to find us is on the internet. Um, our website is www.self, S-E-L-F, dash, made, M-A-D-E, and then the letter U, dot com. And we have a calendar of all of our free events, our free coaching Fridays and our um, master classes where we take this self acronym, this the tool that we teach, and we apply it very specifically to certain topics. So for the month of August, it was relationships. In the month of September, it's professional performance. In the month of October, it's um, productivity. So um, those are all free because we really want to expose the world to this way of thinking. And um, and then, of course, you can find out more about our our paid programming and our social media channels and our podcasts and all of those good things. Amazing. Tracy, thank you so much indeed. Keep up the great work and I look forward to seeing uh, how it develops in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.